0: And that's the important thing, that's where we get started with this, is uh, for, for some time, the Great Commission has been kind of focused on the word go. And if you've done any studies on this, then you know it's not so much about the going, that the, the important word that's in there is make disciples. That's what we're called to do, is, is to make the disciples. It's not the going, the going is as you go. Now don't get me wrong, there are some people who are called to go whether it's you're called to go on a mission trip, you're called to the mission field, uh, you're called to live a nomadic lifestyle. My family did that for, for years. We knew that we were called to go. There was no settling for us until we got here, praise Jesus. Um, but y- th- th- if you're called to go, I want to encourage you go. Like if you were called to the mission field, if you're called to, to go uh, disciple and, and evangelize some group of people, go do that thing, go. But most of the time, what we're called to is as we go to make disciples. Our, our job, our existence as Christians, as followers of the Messiah, is to multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, this is after the flood. Sorry, I can't breathe today. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That is God's plan, multiply. Now, there's a biological sense there that we all understand, but more accurately, there's a spiritual implication there that we are supposed to multiply. That 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 is how we transmit our faith. God has no grandchildren. They're all his children. You don't get in on the faith of your parents. You get in because you have accepted the same that God is doing. We all get in on the same rules that we have become disciples. And as disciples, we are called to, to make disciples. That is our calling. Our calling is not to, to build a church, which is great. It's lovely. I love this place. It's, it's not to, to have uh, whatever Bible study. That's great. We should do that as well. It's to make disciples. That is our calling unfortunately that brings up a question that we have to ask ourselves because we're supposed to multiply so real quick what's two times two good job one times one good uh, that's as far as i'm gonna go with this <laughs> Memorized my multiplication tables as a kid don't need it anymore i got a calculator on my phone this is rogers you were wrong i will always have a calculator with me We are supposed to multiply, but multiplication means this thing becomes this thing. So as disciples, as people who are supposed to multiply, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I the type of disciple that I want to see multiplied? Like when I evaluate my life, when I look at my life, do I, would I feel comfortable saying, hey, look, I made another me? If the answer to that question is, well, not perfectly, but yes, good, keep going, keep improving, if it's no, and make the changes that need to be made, and move on? But we have to ask ourselves that, because that's an important part of the question. And I think, we might go a little long today, I think that one of the things that stops us from sharing our faith the way that we should, and the way we want to, and one of the things that I, stops, uh, that I think stops us from multiplying ourselves the way we should, is we don't feel like we deserve the relationship we have with We don't feel like, I should have the forgiveness I have. I I shouldn't have the the authority in Christ that I have. I shouldn't have the relationship that I have. Why does he accept me? Why does he love me? Why does he bless me? Because he does, because he loves you. And now he says, multiply. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be intentionable, uh, intentionable, intentional, I'm all over the place this morning, Not enough coffee, and I'm on a diet, so, (laughs) I mean, too much coffee on a diet. Anyway, we're called to multiply ourselves. That's that's what we're supposed to be doing, because we're supposed to be making disciples. So first, we have to be a disciple. We have to be people who hear and obey the words of the Lord and then act on what he says. We have to be people who diligently search and study the scriptures. We have to be people who admit that we're wrong. We have to be people who, who uh, approach things in a godly, powerful way. But we're, what pe- we're people who follow Jesus. That's what we are as disciples. John chap- uh, sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 14. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in a tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. That's what a disciple is. A disciple, in a nutshell, is somebody who follows Jesus. That's it. Where it gets hard is, as Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The the, the call is easy, follow me. The hard part is that means die to yourself. But the the call is just to follow Jesus. That's it. And yes, it includes death to self, but, but the call is just follow him. And he makes it really simple for us. Because he knows that we're going to get confused. He knows that we're going to make it a little bit more difficult than we can. I I think sometimes, and I know I can speak for myself, is sometimes we're afraid that if I follow Jesus, what's he going to take from me? And there are going to be things that he takes from you. To follow Jesus, again, means to die to yourself. It means to lose your own will. It means that he will remove things from your life that don't belong there. But I promise you, the things that he puts in, in, in those places are so much better. Like anything that Jesus wants to take from you, it's because he's got something better to put there. But then we're supposed to be disciple makers. <coughs> and how do we do that? that that's, the, that's a question that we should be asking. Like not just this morning, but all the time. How do I make disciples? Jesus said, go and make disciples. How do I do that? Again, John, uh, Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you to the end of the age. So the first thing we do is, again, disciples, (coughs) disciple making, that's the important thing. So we go. Now we already talked about this a little bit, but I just want to point out one more thing with this is the imperative to go is really important because we don't sit around and wait for uh, people looking for Jesus to come to us. We go to them. That's an incredibly important point of all of this, is we are called to go and make disciples. In our going, we make disciples. And we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. We don't go to United Supermarket to buy groceries. We go to make disciples, and we'll get some groceries while we're there. We're always on the lookout for where we need to be in order to communicate our faith. And it doesn't mean preaching. Like, a lot of times, discipleship making is not standing and preaching and and making this pronouncement. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's it's doing, putting away your shopping cart. It's something we should all be doing. Side note. But we go. That's part of the order. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, I also sent you. We go because Jesus sends us. So wherever we go, or in our going, we're supposed to be making disciples. Emil Brunner, uh, early 19th, 20th century um, theologian says, the church exists by mission, just as fire exists by burning. You can't have one without the other. As people of God, we are always going. And in our going, we're supposed to be making disciples. Well, we have to be intentional about it. Like I said, we, you know, I, I joke and say we go to Walmart, we go to United, we go wherever. But if I'm honest with you, I struggle in this so much because I get so busy. I get so distracted. I, I've got a thousand things I need to do every day. And then at the end of the day, I find myself that I have not been intentional st- today about going and making a disciple. I struggle with this. This is an area where I spend a lot of time and I go back to and I make all these plans and I was telling my wife about it the other day again. I'm like, again, I find myself being so busy that I'm not going and looking for people who don't know Jesus. It's an area I struggle in. I think it's an area a lot of us struggle in because we're just all so busy. But our call is to go and make disciples. The second thing is baptizing. We we make disciples by baptizing them. And there's a few things around the topic of baptism we could talk about, but but here it's specifically talking about believer's baptism. And so, if you are a, a believer, if you were a follower of Christ, if you were someone who has confessed that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that He has taken your sins, and you've not been baptized, please see me. Please someb- see somebody else on the pastoral staff. We would love to help you walk through the obedience of baptism, not in salvation, but obedience. Jesus said, "Be baptized," because sometimes something happens in the baptismal waters that can't happen anywhere else. Something happens in this moment of going down and coming back up and being identified with Jesus' death, burial, and then resurrection that can't happen anywhere else in life. And I'm not saying it's a cure-all, but I have seen some amazing things happen after uh, somebody's baptism. The last thing is teaching. Teaching, again, is, is both what happens here, but it's also what happens at work, at school, on the bus, um, in the commute to work, with somebody else maybe, uh, wherever you are, in your restaurant, in your home. One of the reasons I do like to meet with people in public is so that when we're praying, other people can see us praying. If we're talking about Scripture, so that somebody else can overhear us talk about Scripture. I, my wife makes fun of me, or tells me not to, I should say, because if I see other people, like, and we're somewhere and people are sitting around and <laughs> she's laughing, they're reading the Bible, I'm like, hey, what are you reading? <laughs> That's what I want to do for other people. That's what we're called to do, is is that teaching. And again, it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase called duckling discipleship. But if you think about like a row of ducks, you've got the mama duck and she knows where she's going. And then behind her are all her little ducklings. And what are those ducks doing? They're not all following the mama. They're following the duck in front of them. That's all we have to do. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to know who's in front of us, Jesus in our case, and we're going to lead with just whatever for inf- information it is we have. And we don't have to have all the answers because people will ask us, well, what about this? And sometimes the answer is, you know, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Let, let's find out. But t- the teaching aspect of what we're doing is really just 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. It's just following the Messiah, following the Savior, and communicating what we do know and what we've been taught. Um, I'll give you one, though, for, for small groups and things like that. It's a um, discovery Bible study method. Uh, so there it is. It's just four simple questions. Uh, what is this story? So when we talk about story, we're talking about uh, a s- passage of Scripture in the Bible, not so much a verse. You don't want to do that. You want, like, a story. So, like, Uh, We're going to get to one with, um, well, you know what, again. So, yes, I'm getting off off track. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea how happy it is to hear me say that because I go all over the place. I'm scrolling. Okay, so I'm just going to keep that slide up. um, We're going to come back to this section of Scripture in a minute, but Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. It says, after this, Jesus went out, and we're just going to practice discovery Bible study method. So we're going to read it and then go back to that slide. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and followed him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with him. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come the, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The word of the Lord. Okay, now go back to that other slide for me, if you would please, sir. Um, okay, so we take this, and you're like you guys could use this at lunch, at school. Okay, it's, it's four simple questions. We read a passage like that, and we say, what does this story tell me about God? What does this story tell me about m- people or myself? If this is God's word for my life, how will I obey it? Fourth question is really the hardest one. Who am I going to tell? And then if you really want to challenge yourself with a Bible study method like this, next week when you get together, ask ask each other, hey, you said that this is how you were going to obey God's word. Did did you do that thing? You also said that you were going to tell this person about it. Did you do that? Four simple questions that honestly could change the world. Because then we're doing exactly what the early disciples did. We're doing what the early church did. We're taking God's word, we're looking at it, we're examining it, and then we're letting it change us. And then we're just communicating how that change has happened to somebody else. I think if we could just do these four simple questions, we would see Amarillo change, we'd see Journey Church change, we'd see the world change in no time whatsoever because we're allowing God to dictate our lives and to lead us into growth and understanding. Now, we as a church have been doing a lot of these things, discipling, you know. We're we're, we're discipling. We're we're seeing people baptized. We're seeing people come to Christ. We're we're trying to go and be obedient to where he tells us to go. We're sharing our faith. I've met multiple people who have come to visit Journey as a first-time guest, and I say, oh, how'd you hear about us? Well, some lady came in and was just talking to me about Journey Church. Or, you know, I, I, I was over here, and somebody was like, oh, you should come join us at Journey Church. Simple things like that. We're doing these things, and God's blessing it. One more thing I would add is one way that we, be, uh, we, we disciple is through small groups in our modern context. Small groups are incredibly important in our modern context in the church. And so we've got small groups kicking on again uh, February. If give me the nod, February. Um, and at the end of this month, the, f- the last week of January and the first week of February, we're going to have potlucks again. Potlucks, food, it's a simple way to actually invite somebody into something and, and enjoy a meal together, and in doing so, introduce them to Jesus. So we're going to shift gears. We're going to have some fun. 2023, part of what we're doing today, should have said this up front, my bad. I, wa- I want us to look at the Great Commission first, because what we're going to do is we're going we're to cast some vision about who we are as a people and where we're going. But to know where we're going, I want us to look back at 2023 and some amazing things that have happened. So we're going to put a QR code. Um, You can scan this now, take a look at it. Uh, This is our annual report. We spent a lot of time as a staff working on this. Like, and I mean a lot of time. ask people for their opinion, and you will get it. And we, we've gone through and like we're collecting information and we're looking at the right way to record. And don't read the whole thing right now. I, I'm, I see you. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> we've got some physical copies, um, about 20 or so in the welcome booth. So if you're not a technological person, go to the welcome booth. We've got a copy for you. Uh, if you can't get the code or you can't get a copy, let me know and we'll get you one printed if we need to or I can email it to you. Either way, what this does is this helps us look back at 2023 because 2023 was really amazing and hard. I was talking, I don't remember who I was talking to. We were talking about 2023, and they were like, it's hard to say because on one hand, it was horrible. On the other hand, it ended really well, and that's how a lot of it was for us for 2023. Um, So first, what is our mission? Right now, as a church, we know what our mission is. Make disciples. How do we do that? Well, we in, uh, by encountering God, engaging together, and empowering change. That's how we as Journey Church uh, help to fulfill the Great Commission in our way. We've got some core values, in case you didn't know. We want to be authentic, we want to be intentional, and we want to have a passion for people. I think we are knocking those three out of the What's our vision? We want to create an environment with authentic relationships and intentional discipling that builds passion for Christ and for people. This is how we as Journey Church do our part to fulfill the Great Commission, to, to make disciples, to go, to baptize, and to teach. And with that, we've got some things as we look back at 2023 that are just awesome. We've had 26 baptisms in the last year. We've had 340 unique prayer requests. We've had 20 salvations. These three things tell you a lot about what's really important to us as a church and what's important to me. Is that we have people being obedient and getting baptized. We had a baptism a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday. Okay? We baptize here. We had no problem with that. I baptize people in a bathtub. I don't care. 340 unique prayer requests. That is very important to me. That is very important to us as a body, is that, you know, we've said it before, April said it last week during the pastor panel, is when somebody asks for prayer, we want you to know we are praying. We trust God hears us. And we bring every prayer request to him. And we've seen at least 20 salvations. 20 people who have given their lives to the Lord and who are now walking in newness of life. But then we have some other amazing things. We've got 90 plus volunteers. Uh, now you again, you can't see all these very well. Understood that putting it in. That's why we wanted to give you the link for the, the, the code. Um, we've given out over $11,000 in missions. We've had 25 new members. We've got 21 first-time guest cards. We've got over 100 kids and students. We've got 170 individual givers in this church. We've got community projects like uh, Amarillo Angels. uh, I don't have it on there because it's kind of one of our internal ones, but Tapestry, which is absolutely amazing, I've been blessed to to be a part of sometimes. You guys get up so early on a Saturday. (sighs) Eventually. Eventually. We've got Amarillo Angels, like I said. We've done some stuff for them. We've given out backpacks and turkeys to students at Heritage Hills. Like this church is active in the community, and we are continually and continuing to look for ways to serve and bless our community. We've got over 200 people in groups, which is astronomical. We've got 31 different group leaders, and we've got a team of, of not including the pastoral staff of 23 people who pray over your prayer requests. That is amazing. Yeah, there you go. When Journey Church started in 2015, there was 187 people. And now on an average Sunday, we average between 280 and 290 people every week. There are some days where we've got over 300 people. That's insane. This little church where people constantly go when I tell people, oh, I, I go to Journey Church. I don't always tell people I'm the pastor. Like, I like to slowly get in there. But they're like, oh, where do you go to church? I'm like, oh, Journey Church. And they're like, I've never heard of it. Where's that? Right? And we still get 300 people coming every week. You gotta look for this place. God is working and God is doing some amazing things here. And I are just in awe. So with that, we're making some changes. And some changes are are positive, expected, and amazing. So one of them is that Crystal's gonna take over as the children's pastor. She's been the associate children's pastor for a while. And I don't think she's in here because she's actually out back working. So when you see her, tell her congratulations. This is part of the reason we're dropping the associate title and she's just the children's pastor, because she's working hard. She's been doing an awesome job, and she gets to step into a little bit more fullness of what God's called her to do. We're also adjusting the pastoral leadership of Journey to include two associate pastors. This is going to help us execute the vision and the things that we believe God's calling us to a little bit better. So Brad is going to step into one of the roles as associate pastor. And he's going to be involved in uh, administration, organization, and strategy. He's going to help us, with his brilliant mind, (laughs) accomplish some of the things that we've been called to. That we need somebody who is really good with execution and strategy to do these things. So Brad is going to be one of our associate pastors. It was either that or pastor of execution. (laughs) But we decided that communicates hmm, maybe the wrong message. Still planning on getting that sign anyway. The other spot is going to be taken by Julie. Julie's still going to be involved in family life and doing everything that she does there with a few more responsibilities when it comes to to the overall ministry health of of that side of the church. And so she's going to step up and take our other role as associate pastor. Together, these two are going to help me, <laughs> and I need it, do the things we believe God's called us to do. I meet regularly with the leadership team, either together or individually, uh, to talk about like, where, where's God calling us. And, and then I meet regularly, we, we get together as a staff. So now I've got a team in place that can help us execute the things that God's calling us to, because I've got a lot of ideas and not a lot of time. And these two are fantastic and amazing. Not that everybody else isn't, I just, now they can be blamed for more. As I mentioned, some changes are positive, expected, and amazing, and some are not. Shane and Lucy are two of my most favoriteest people on the planet. I absolutely love them and I love their heart. But I also understand with them that they are stretched incredibly thin. They have two very demanding jobs. And they have a home. And they have a family. And so after a lot of prayer and consideration, they've decided to step down from leading the students. They're not going anywhere. Because I told them, you can't. I know where you live. 13 minutes away. They're not going anywhere. But they need some time to catch their breath. They need some time to get their heads above water. So we're gonna love them, and we're gonna bless them, and we're gonna do everything we can. (laughs) Now, what does this mean for our students? Gabriel, you're in charge. Uh, (laughs) No, of course not. No, (laughs) we have an amazing team of volunteers. We met with the volunteers the other day. We met with the students and the parents the other day. Uh, Julie and I have put together a fantastic plan in order to be able to have the volunteers uh, lead in this time while we figure out and wait for God's will. And that word is important because as I said in the beginning, as I said after worship, we are a people who trust God. We are a people who believe that Jesus is Lord. And if he is Lord and we're going to say, Jesus, we want your will, sometimes you have to wait for his will. So we're going to just wait a little bit and see what God wants to do before we just jump in and do something on our own. The last thing that we have gotta talk about, and again, I told you we we're gonna go slightly long, so I apologize, but is we all, we're all aware, this building's full. I mean, you look around the room right now, we're full. You, you look in the, the, the is it a lobby or foyer? What's the word for that? A foyer, oh, all right, yeah, we bougie. You go out in the foyer, and it is full up, full-a. <laughs> full-a. Not Chick-fil-a. Anyway, it is full out there. Praise God. Yes, praise God. It's a great problem. We, we've got all of, most of our volunteers parking in the dirt because we don't have enough space in the parking lot. We, I, April and I were talking about small groups, and we've got small groups coming up. And I'm like, hey, do we have space in the building for one more small group? And she goes, sure, where do you want me to put it? In a very nice way. We have no more space. Like She's like, I guess we can put them in the, the cold lobby breezeway area. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know that that would work. We've got small groups that meet in the hallway because we don't have enough space in the building. So w- Brad and I, again, this is where the, this, this new structure comes into play really well, is Brad and I met with some contractors, and we're going to work on getting uh, some really good pricing for the blueprints because we got some pricing that was not good. We got some quotes of like $7 million to which I said, no, thank you. I'm never going to spend $7 million on a building. We can do a lot of ministry with $7 million. We can feed a lot of homeless people with $7 million. We can get a lot of kids adopted for $7 million. I'm not spending $7 million on a building. God didn't call me to make a building. He called me to make disciples. So we're not going to spend that kind of money on a building. We'll be cramped, and we'll, we'll have space issues. But now we found somebody else whom we can work with, and we might have to break it up into phases, but they, they think we can get away with it for under four, which is much more reasonable. But we're going to break it up maybe and see how it works, and we'll have more information as that comes. But we know that we need space, and here's why we need space. Again, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When Jesus was on this earth, he made room at the table for the people who needed to sit. We are going to do the same thing. We want to be people who make room at the table. Because if you are here, if you are a follower of Christ, it's because at some point, someone made room for you to sit at the table. We had a funeral a couple of weeks ago. Um, for a young man, and I I was sitting in the back, and as I was looking out, I was like, this place is full. Many of these people probably need a home church. I'd love to invite them. They don't have a seat. Our table's too full. So again, we're talking about a building. We're going to make plans to build a bigger table. But until then, we're just going to have to set another spot. So starting Easter, we're going to go back to two services. Some say, yay. Here's the thing. I'm not a two services guy. That's exhausting. I'm lazy. That's tiring. I'm going to go home and sleep until Monday, every Sunday. But I don't care because I will make the sacrifice to make a spot at the table for someone else to sit and dine with us. That's what it's about. It's about making disciples. And I'll clear my spot. I'll clear anybody else's spot so that we can set another table and make room for people to come who need a seat at the table. So starting at Easter, because we knew we were going to have to do two services anyway, we're just going to jump into two services until the new building lands. Now, if somebody's got a check for $4 million dollars that you can write that will clear, see Brad, he would love to gently take it from you. But our goal, our focus, is to make Disciples. Now, there's some, there's some benefits with that. Again, I'm not a big two services guy, but there's some benefits there. Like, if you've been waiting for a time when you could be able to serve, but you don't want to miss service, well awesome. You can sit one, you can serve one. If you've been looking for a way to be able to serve at Journey, and you're like, I don't like kids, so I don't want to do that. Um, I do security, but, mm, you know, throat hugging is not, not legal. Um, you're like, I'm not really a techie person. I've got the perfect way for you to serve once we move to two services. In order to launch it well, we need 50 to 75 volunteers who will come to both services for three to six months. Because appearances matter. So if somebody comes in and they see six people in here at a service, they're going to be like, oh, it's one of those churches. So we want to let them know that they're welcome. So that's one way that you can serve. The other way, again, like I said, is if you've been wanting to serve uh, in kids or students or whatever, but you're, you're afraid you're going to miss service, well, then this is an awesome opportunity for you. So like I said, there, there was a lot we had to cover this morning. Um, and I'm very excited to get back to Romans next week um, because we didn't, then we don't have as much to cover. But again, what I want us to take away from this Sunday is that we are called to make disciples. And we are called to make space at the table. Because we're going to take communion in just a minute here. And part of communion is understanding that what Jesus did for me, he's done for others. I, I remember, I won't say who it was, I remember watching somebody take communion for the first time, and they were just so confused. Like, I don't understand. Like, what is, what is all this about? But part of the beauty of being a disciple is we get to walk through that in life with other people. We get to share what it means that we're going to receive this juice and remember how Jesus shed his blood to save us. We're going to eat this bread and remember that Jesus broke his body so that we could have fullness of life. be a people who in every area of our life are willing to make space at our table for somebody else. Because that is the greatest thing we can do for anybody. We can help people with all sorts of things. You know, we, we, can, we can give money away. We can do all sorts of things. But letting people know that Jesus loves them and that we love them enough to make a sacrifice for them changes everything in their lives. And that's what he did for us. Is he didn't just say I'm for you guys. And he said, let me prove to you my love. So Jesus, I thank you that you shed your blood for us. But you didn't hesitate. You weren't waiting because you didn't want to do it. Your word says, Lord, that when the time was right, you came. That you were just waiting for that right moment. You also said, Lord, that nobody takes your life from you. You give it willingly. So Jesus says, we receive your blood. Let us remember that you have shed it for us to have forgiveness and for us to have a relationship with you, the Father. receive the bread, and as we were in worship this morning, I just, I kind of kept thinking about how it's by faith, all of it is by faith, everything that we do, and your word says we approach you by faith, so Jesus, as we receive your bread, let us receive it in faith, honoring you, and trusting you, and, and remembering that you are everything. That anything you take from us is because you've got something better to put there. Receive the bread. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you gave us the great commission. That you gave us as your church marching orders to go out and make disciples. I pray, Lord, for obedience. I pray that we can be strong to do that thing. I pray that you help me with my difficulty in in making time for that sometimes, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and help me and guide me into a way to be able to do that well. Bring people into our path who need you. Let us see them with your eyes and your compassion and your love. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Amen.